0: Exhibitionism and a nervous wish for concealment, for anonymity, thus battle inside the buyer of any piece of clothing. Elizabeth Bowen.
1: Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 27.
0: I'm G. I'm Em. And what are we going to be talking about today, Em? We are going to be talking about public-ish kink, exhibitionism, and voyeurism. Alright, so you say
1: public-ish. What do you mean by this?
0: What I mean is that I'm talking in specific settings where the publicness is a little safer or negotiated and not like I'm going to go flog someone out in the middle of the street right now. That's what I mean by public-ish.
1: All right. And I see here in the notes that you've included spicy topic.
0: Yeah, this is a spicy topic. I was a little, like, nervous. I had one of our listeners actually recommended this topic to me, and I thought about it, and I ran it by X, who was one of our beta listeners, and X was pretty convinced that, you know, this is a topic we might get flamed for, because there is a lot of people who are like, oh no, don't do any public things, and which is totally reasonable. To, like, have that dialogue about that. But, at the same time, this is a thing that happens. Public kink happens. And maybe there are ways that we can approach it safely. Okay. So, it is a spicy topic, though. Alright. I'm just gonna say I don't have all the answers.
1: I mean, none of us do. None of us do. But, before we dive into the episode, I would like to give out a few shoutouts. First, I'd like to give a shout-out to Squee, who tipped us. We are very appreciative of that. I'd also like to give a shout-out to John from Montreal, who contacted us and gave us some feedback about additions we could make to the website.
0: Thank you Uh, so much.
1: And lastly, we didn't get a full write-up, but we were included as a resource in a polyamory podcast blog. We're going to include the link to that at the bottom of the show notes, and we're also... Just because I know not all the polyamory episode listeners listen to the kinky episodes, I will repeat this link in the next polyamory episode.
0: And this blog is located at Minka Guides, and it's uh, by Bronwyn. Bronwyn, yes. Bronwyn is the author.
1: Yes, that is www.minkaguides.com slash
0: polyamory
1: dash podcasts.
0: And we will again include that in the show notes. Thank you so much, by the way, for including us. Yeah. We're very appreciative.
1: So, we've given out all our shoutouts. We've already wormed, warmed... warned. We've already warned our audience that this will be a spicy topic. We have
0: warmed and warned them. We have warmed and warned them.
1: That this will be a spicy topic.
0: It's spicy. It's going to get uh, warm.
1: So, let's dive into it.
0: So, here we go. This is a nuanced topic, as we mentioned. And the reason, I think the number one reason this is such a complicated topic, public-ish kink, public-ish, public kink, public sex, whatever, is so nuanced, is because of third party consent. Yes. So, G, would you like to explain, for those who might not know, what third party consent is?
1: Alright, so, if I were a prepared podcaster, I would immediately start talking about the episode where we discuss content and give you the... Discuss <laughs> Discuss consent. Discuss consent and immediately give you the episode number for that episode. But I'm an amateur, so there's an episode we've done previously on consent. In this specific case, uh, we're talking about consent from people who are not actively participating in the activity. So, a big, big, big issue with public kink is that onlookers who did not want to see such stuff you cannot gain their consent before doing this kind of public kink. Or you can, in some certain areas, like if you're going to like a large outdoor like kink event, like the expectation is you're probably going to be seeing stuff like this. But when we're talking about like public kink in everyday life, you cannot get consent from onlookers for the most part. And there's also the possibility that people who legally cannot give consent, who are underage, will also see uh, what you're doing.
0: Right. So I think in the context of, we should definitely kind of split this up into talking about different avenues of exploring public kink. So there is the exploratory, okay, we are going to do this thing in an actual public setting. And then there's the other kind of public kink where it's like, okay, we're at a kink event and we're going to do this stuff in a dungeon where this is okay. Like everybody who goes into the dungeon knows that kink is going to be happening there. Or at a large outdoor kink event where it is agreed, like those people who are going know, okay, there's a chance that I'm going to see X, Y, Z. And even in those situations, even if you can gain consent or that people acknowledge like by part by going to this event that they are consenting to see certain things even then you should be careful because there are some kinks that are especially spicy or can be very triggering that often need extra negotiating and planning even in like the best case scenario
1: uh yeah i think a prime example which leaps to my mind is i've been to a couple of large sort of kink conventions And one of the areas that's usually sort of blocked off from the main play space is the medical play area, especially with, you know, related to piercings and blood, you know. Yeah, you go to a kink event to see some kinky stuff, but not everybody automatically thinks blood play is kinky. Some of them have phobia related to blood or needles, and they just don't want to see that stuff when they're at ostensibly a fun kinky event.
0: Right. Another thing that comes to mind when I think about this that needs a little bit more negotiating is, like, consensual non-consent scenes, and, like, especially of the kidnapping variety. So at some of these larger-scale kink events, you might have these organized kidnappings where you, like, you sign up, you, you say, I want to be kidnapped, here's who I'm okay with kidnapping me, and then other people come in and they help to organize that. And because of the nature of that, like, it sort of has to be done in a way that the people surrounding the area know, like... The parameters of what's going to be happening there. Yes. And I think even, you know, like for a con non con scene, if it's going to be more public, just giving the people in the area a heads up of what's going to be happening can be helpful. I think let's go backwards a little bit. Okay. To talk about more of the actual public kink, because this is where we get a little, it's really tricky, right? Like you said, G it is impossible to gain consent of every single person you know, in certain areas. So I will be upfront about my own interests and what I like to do in public. And this does include some very subtle kink. So there are are subtle kinky things that I do in public. Um, Something that springs to mind that that other people might do or have heard of as a public thing is um, to tie a karata, a type of body harness in rope under a person's clothes. And then you might go out to dinner with them. And so that's still public, but, like, you, nobody can see yes. that. So, again, there's a bit of a choice of, like, how much of this is going to be public and what type of things are going to be public. So with me, I think, like, subtle kink, like, power exchange, if it's done in a very subtle way, or hypnosis even, can be done publicly if it's really well considered in the situation. But that's very different from being, like, I think we were talking at G that, you know, that's very different from going to a public restaurant and having my partner kneel at my feet. Yes. I'm like, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Unless, like, you and all of your kinky friends, like, rented out the restaurant or something. But anyway, so there is a little bit of, you have to have, I think there, it's. Do you think it's more, like, for me, I'm just thinking, like, there's a level of common sense. I
1: mean, the thing about common sense is it's not as common as people say it is. That's true.
0: I guess that's true, yeah. So, I think with, like, I know some people who wear their collars out in public. And I know that even lately that has been flamed a little bit. Like, people are getting upset at people wearing collars in public. Okay. And G and I, you know, we talked about this, like... There can be other meanings to collars besides power exchange.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the whole punk and goth scene, like they like collars a lot. I think, I think at least part of the reason why that might be getting flamed
0: is this like common usage now. That's just what uh, that's what X told me. Okay. Uh, so and 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 he's the hip one. So. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess that's a phrase that folks are using.
1: All right. Well.
0: I guess I'm the old geezer now. That's fine. Oh, uh, wait. Hold on for a second. Hold up. Before you continue, hold your thought. What did we come up... We came up with a badass name for calling our listeners last time.
1: Uh, audience folks. KMP audience folks. KMP...
0: KMP... That's yes. right. Okay. Audience folks. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, uh, G. <laughs>
1: uh, I completely forget what I'm oh, saying.
0: God. Sorry. So flamed, flamed collars.
1: Oh, yeah. So I think the reason why this might be getting a little bit more negative attention is that BDSM has just become a lot more prominent in mainstream culture. so a lot instead of people automatically thinking like goth or punk or some other alternative culture, they see a collar and they're more likely to leap to BDSM. thanks to things like fruity shades of gray. And this podcast.
0: <laughs> I think this is something else where I would like to go on a little bit of an asexual kind of ramp Because I think one of the main things that I hear from people who are really nervous about public kink is that they automatically might associate it with sex. Because kink is, is tied to sex for a lot of people. Yes. So for me, like, a lot of my kink is not at all sexual, And will never be sexual. And the intentions are very different. So just to give an anecdotal story, uh, I was going to a concert with X and I had gotten him a collar. And when we were out to dinner before the concert, I opened it up in front of him and gave it to him. But I asked him, you know, would you like me to put it on you? He said yes. And there were other people in the restaurant. And I made a couple of decisions. First of all, I think asking him, is it Okay. This was a surprise, so I didn't want to tell him in advance. Asking him if it was okay, I think that was a good thing. Because if he was like, no, I'm not comfortable in a public space, I'd be like, okay, no problem. He was comfortable, he wanted me to put it on him, so I walked around him. And again, I walked around him to put it on while he was sitting down instead of like, I wasn't like, kneel at my feet and I'll put this collar on you. And then the other thing too is that there were no people from what I could tell that were like, how do I want to phrase this?
1: I don't know, how do you want to phrase this?
0: Because I didn't know the people there personally. Yes. But, like, from what I could see of them, they were all adults. Yes. But then another thing that went into play here is that we were about to go to a concert, and both of us were kind of dressed a little bit.
1: Like concert goers? Like
0: concert goers.
1: So... And from what I remember, Axe is really into, like, metal. Yes. So, yeah, if you look like people who are going to a metal concert...
0: I certainly didn't look like what I was going to a metal concert, but both of us were dressed up and, like, definitely could be seen as at least... A little bit punk, a little bit alternative. So we had those elements already. Yeah. And, you know, I did that and nobody gave us a weird look or anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to tell another anecdotal story, not involving myself, but involving somebody I witnessed. I was going on a, uh, a long-distance road trip, back in the times when you could take long-distance road trips. And I went to, we stopped at a Skyline Chili. And uh, when I walked in, one of the first things I noticed was that the the waitress who was at the, not waitress, but the uh, cashier at the register was wearing uh, one of those metal eternity collars that don't have like an obvious lock on them. Uh, so they look like they're sort of one seamless piece. And, and as far as I know, that's not really a, a punk or a goth look. As far as I can know... From my various experience different song cultures, that's fairly specific to BDSM. That's
0: very specific to BDSM.
1: Uh, but yeah, she was just wearing it and while in her uniform, her her waitress uniform, and none of her coworkers were giving a side eye, nobody else was none of the other customers were giving her the side eye. And I, I guess from most people's experience, it'd be like, oh, she's wearing a weird metal necklace. Like if you don't understand the context. Exactly. It doesn't signify anything. It's just like, oh, I guess this person likes weird metal necklaces. Right. So, you know, I think, I think there are ways to, like, signify that you are doing... I think there are ways to do kink or to have displays of kink in public without it being a consent issue.
0: Right. Now that you're talking about this, you know, it reminded me of flagging. And we did talk about that a little bit in our boot blacking and leather episode. Yeah. Because flagging is something that, you know, you put in your back pocket a handkerchief that says, like, oh, I'm really into rope or I'm really into DS or whatever it is. And that's a very subtle public thing that people do. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Like, wearing a collar, even if it is very specific to BDSM, is not necessarily, at least I don't think it's not necessarily problematic. Yeah,
1: I mean, also, like there are plenty of day collars out there which are designed designed to sort of blend in and functionally i don't think there's a whole lot of difference between a day collar and just a regular choker right which is just a fashion accessory that has existed for i don't know over 100 years (laughs) right
0: and i think there's one more concept to this and this kind of goes back to my asexual kind of rant but like For some people, the collar is not even indicative of, like, what they do in bed. Because I know a lot of people who get weird or flamey about the whole public kink is they're like, I don't want to know what you do in bed, right? That's that's for you, you should reserve that for bed. But for some people, the collar is a romantic gesture. It might be akin to, like, their partner getting them a ring or something like that. And so if their association with it is, like, their romantic relationship with their partner and that that's in the form of DS, then... You know, I'm like, how is that different from, like, an engagement ring, for example, for some people? Well, I mean,
1: the difference is one is more socially acceptable than the other. Well, sure,
0: yes. (laughs) But yes, I mean, even
1: within the kink scene, there's this connotation that collars specify a role. Like, we went to a kink event together, and I mentioned that I really liked this one collar, and you offered to buy it for me. Not because of any DS thing, but because I thought it was pretty, and you wanted to buy me something pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. And I eventually decided against it because I didn't know when I would wear it because I wouldn't want to wear it to a kink event because I don't want to have that connotation that I'm a sub or a slave. And I can't really wear it out in public because it was, it was much more, uh, elaborate. Yeah. It was a little bit more on the elaborate side. And also like, I don't. In my day to day life, I don't really dress gun- uh, I don't really dress like a goth or a punk.
0: Yeah, because if you were to wear that collar with like a goth outfit, it that would be, be fine. Like, totally fine. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, this person's just goth."
1: But because I don't wear, I don't wear goth or punk alternative clothing on a day to day basis, it just would stand out too much, right? So yeah, I think there are ways to do this. Yes, is I guess what I'm saying, but I think. Often what people think when they think of public kink or public fetish is people having sex in public.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Which is a whole subgenre of porn.
0: Yes. And when I was doing weirdly, when I was doing research for this episode, I came across like some various laws in countries on like, you know, on blogs where they're commenting on like what public sex is okay and what public sex is not. And there are some that public sex is not okay but if you're in your car and where you can reasonably assume that no one else is around that's legal. So it's very interesting like to see how some places set up like their public sex rules um, and something else that comes to mind is um, even just public nudity right like there are obviously laws against certain amounts of nudity. One of the things that I hate is because I still have these um, breasts chesticles, whatever you want to call them, things, I can't just go around topless outside. Well, actually, I can. In New York City. In some places, I can. Yes. But it's still, like, not socially acceptable. Correct. So I still risk public humiliation because of that, or... Social
1: confrontation. Social
0: confrontation because of that, or police involvement even. So, I, you know, I kind of hate that I can't just, like, take my shirt off and go run outside. Um, but there are some countries where people with any chest can just be outside without a top on, and so it varies culture by culture and country by country what is considered like taboo in public. Yeah, maybe someday I w- I will be able to just go outside. So going off of the story about X and his collar, um, there was also another time, and this is just giving an example of some public power exchange, subtle power exchange. I was out with somebody who was bottoming to me and um, we agreed on several protocols ahead of time. And one of the things that she had to do was to take a sip of her drink whenever I took a sip of mine and we had wine. And I just remember, um, and you know, this is, we're just out at a restaurant and not a lot of people were there though. I think we were like one, there was only like two tables that were filled at the time, but I was drinking and I noticed that she wasn't drinking and so, like, this was a protocol that we agreed on. So I gave her a warning about it. And then I noticed that she was still not following it. So I just remember picking up her wine glass and I poured her wine into my wine, my wine glass and I set her wine back down. And I said, now you won't have any trouble remembering because she couldn't drink anymore. <laughs> but yeah, this was like a very subtle thing. And she did call me sir in public. And I feel like that too, like certain titles are probably okay because they're a little low-key. But some titles are like, maybe you don't want to call somebody that in public.
1: You mean something like Master?
0: Master gets in the hairy territory. Yeah. It's like, oh.
1: I mean, I feel like even in American culture, like Sir is a little dicey because it is so uncommon. I've looked in other places where Sir is much more common. Uh, You Or just, like, generally speaking, younger people are expected to call older people either sir or ma'am, rather than, like, use their last name or Mr. and Mrs. So, I think, like, in American culture, even sir is a little dicey just because of how uncommon it is in everyday vernacular.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point, yeah.
1: Like, honestly, I'm trying to think of, like, an instance where, like, Sir was used Mm -hmm. in, like, media that I can think of. And, like, the only things I can really think of are, like, butlers and movies. Oh, yep. uh, And something kink-related. Erotica I've read, or... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not as common. You're right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like, I think I look back on these experiences that I've had where I've done some things in public, or even, like, subtle hypnosis in public... Where something that I brought up to G earlier when we were talking about this topic was, like, you know, what's the difference between, like, my friend doing a little hypnosis with me and, like, a street magician doing some hypnosis with me? Like, both are equally public. If, actually, with the street magician part, if there's a big crowd, it's probably more public, right? Magic is also totally a kink of mine. So, like, even just frick, just even going to a street magician's show, that's already (laughs) really kinky. But, like, if there's no actual sex going on, and it's just, like, a little bit of a, oh, I'm just gonna put you under hypnosis real quick and then bring you out, some people do still think that that's dicey, for sure. But you had a comment here, you had a comment about the, like, the difference between the, my friend doing a little hypnosis with me versus the street magician.
1: Oh, well, the street magician's trying to get money out of you.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So I guess what we're trying to say is we have both either seen or participated in various acts of public kink, both in a club where it's generally expected, like generally speaking one goes to a kink club both to see and to be seen, or one or the other, or both. And we've also done some stuff in public public. But the thing to keep in mind is... you you do need to keep in mind other people's consent and the fact that they cannot consent and adjust what you want to do in public to that. Right. So, you
0: know, rather than... It's like, what is the reasonableness of what you're doing in public? I think that's what to keep in mind is the reasonableness. Yeah. And also
1: probably not a bad... Like if you want to do something and you're like, it's a little dicey in your mind, don't be afraid to talk to some of your friends about it get some other people's opinions. And so they might disagree with you, they might agree with you, but that act of conversation will probably like solidify in your mind like what level you're actually prepared to go and what level is actually safe to go to.
0: Right. I think that's a great recommendation, G. Definitely talking it over with folks is a good idea. And something else that I was going to say too, kind of transition back to the public in a dungeon or public at a kink event thing is like, That level of reasonableness that you need to have in public-public, obviously there are some things that you will not be able to do in public-public. Like a kidnapping scene, not a good idea. Save that for the kink event.
1: Yes. In fact, let me re-emphasize that one. Because that has happened. People have done, usually like couples, have done kidnapping scenes in public-public, And had the police called on them because somebody saw and thought a kidnapping was happening. Yeah, so,
0: like, reasonableness. Um, So, yes, there are some things that absolutely cannot be done in public public, and please try to find venues where that is safe to do. Yes. Like a kink event, like a dungeon, like a house party where you just invite your kinky friends over.
1: Yeah, I mean, even just, like, role-playing. Like, you know, rather than trying to go full out with a kidnapping, like, just... Use the theater of the mind. It's a lot safer.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is reminding me of an Ace Attorney fan fiction that I read recently. All right, listen, audience folks, our K-M-P-A-F.
1: Can I just say something? K-M-P-A-F, be prepared to listen to a lot of anecdotes about Ace Attorney over the next couple episodes.
0: (laughs) Okay, I've really gotten into Ace Attorney like hardcore over quarantine. I like beat Persona 5, you remember that, because we had an episode about it. Anyways, now I super got into the Ace Attorney games. Now I finished all of them. So I started reading Ace Attorney fanfiction. And, anyways, there was one where a prosecutor, Simon Blackwell, he actually was in prison for seven years. But it turns out he's innocent. But, anyways, he and Athena Sykes, this other person who's a defense attorney, they're dating. And she, like, brings up to Simon Blackwell one day, she's like, you know, I want to kind of, like, spice up our sex life. Like, what do you think about, like, pretending to be the prisoner that you were and, like, coming to my house and engaging in some spicy stuff? Okay. But anyways, this isn't really public. But it was just, like, they use the opportunity of their past and, like, different personas to kind of put them in a headspace where they're like, oh, well, even though, like, it was not the reality of the situation, but they were able to sort of suspend the disbelief. Yeah. And engage in a way that respected who they were presently while also playing with those other aspects. So anyways, that's all to say that the theater of the mind, as G mentions, very important. Lots of things that you can do just with your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Imagination, situation, manifestation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something else that you brought up is that, and I think we'll we'll talk about exhibitionism and foyerism now, because we talked about the publicish bit a lot. Yes. You had mentioned that when you go to a a kink event or a dungeon and things like that, part of it is that like you want to show off, or and or you want to see other people doing things.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are just hard to do in your own house or your own bedroom. Um, Single tail whips come to mind as like something that's really hard to do in your own house. Most people do not have a 40 foot area, maybe not 40, but like a 30 foot area in their house to uh, safely wield a single tail whip without it catching on things. Uh, but also like part of the reason i feel like you get into stuff like single tails is it's really flashy you know you want to be seen like ah, i I've, I've spent the time it takes to order to do this kink safely in such a way that does not maim my bottom
0: <laughs> yeah it's freaking amazing and actually this makes me think i i got a single tail okay um fairly recently but because i don't have the space right now and with quarantine and the pandemic i don't really have many options for going out and practicing at like a kink event I'm unfortunately not really able to use it. But it is like kind of like that flashy thing. And if you built up this skill and you want to show it off or like rope, right? It's like sometimes you want to do rope where people can come see it because it's like an artistic thing or whatever it is to you. So yeah, I think for me, that is a part of public play is kind of like showing off my skills, Um, whether I'm a top or a bottom for a thing.
1: Interestingly enough, I think... I do like showing off my skills that I've acquired. Though I think a lot of the things I do are not that flashy. Like Violet Wand. I love Violet Wand. I love Violet
0: Wand. G loves Violet Wand.
1: Yes. But it's not that interesting to look at.
0: (laughs) I think Um, it is. And when you say flashy, that is flashy. That's like a little flash, flash, lightning.
1: I mean, I think... in comparison to most other kink activities that you can see at a club, it is not that interesting to look at. It's like, oh, this person is touching this person, and the person is reacting to the touches, or, you know, this person is reacting to tiny little sparks that are coming out of this attachment from the violet wand, versus you can watch a flogging, where it's actually some dynamic movement is happening. Or fire plays. Or fire play. Really flashy, really flashy. And... So I I think I do like showing off my my kink skills. I don't think I actually like having sex in public, Uh, even at an event, at a kink event. Because I've tried a couple of times, it's just not really my cup of tea. And I find for the most part, I find the fantasy of public sex a lot more, which I really enjoy that fantasy, a lot more enticing than even the actuality. Well, even an approximation of the actuality. Like, I have been able to have sex in a kind of public setting, you know, at a kink event where other people could watch me, and I didn't particularly enjoy it. I find the fantasy a lot more fun than even that approximation.
0: For me, I think it really depends on the type of sex activity or sex-adjacent activity that's going on because some of the sex adjacent activity I can get on board with in a public-ish space like a a kink event or a a dungeon or something um but that's also not like the goal for me Mm -hmm. yeah I'm not sure where I was going with that
1: well how about uh kink do you feel like you're sort of an exhibitionist when it comes to your kink activity
0: yeah, I think I am. As I mentioned, I like kind of showing showing off my skills. Like, whether it's, like, boot blocking, I really love doing that in a public setting. And, like, that's very low-key, right? Like, you can shine people's shoes in public pretty much anywhere. Not really, I guess. No. No, you can't. No, you can't. I lied. But it's not a weird activity. Is it a weird activity? Nowadays, yes. All right. Well, fine. It is. But anyways, so boot blocking tying someone up and also I think about different types of service can be very subtle or they can be something that is like more elaborate in a kink space so like you can really go all out something that you can't necessarily do in like public public you can kind of go all out so yeah I think my my kink is a little bit I do find that that I'm a little bit exhibitionist and I also am a little bit of a voyeur I enjoy seeing other people tied up I think mostly that for me is like an aesthetic thing I really enjoy the aesthetics of it and I enjoy seeing people engage in impact play and things like that. Sometimes though, like, okay, so I do have a little bit of this thing where I'm like, even as a voyeur, even as someone who's like watching a scene, I'm like, oh, okay, that's really cool. It's interesting. I'm into that. Maybe I want to do that someday. There's still a little bit of me that feels like, oh, even though they're here at this dungeon, I feel like I'm invading their privacy. So I'm, I'm actually a really bad people watcher. <laughs> Even when I know that they're like giving their consent.
1: Well, I think, I think even at a kink club, there are ways to watch respectfully and ways to watch disrespectfully. You know, if somebody is going through an intense scene, don't crowd them like they're having, like, yes, they want you to watch. They don't want you to be a part of the scene. (laughs) And it's a sort of intense moment. Don't make any snide remarks or, you know, try to yuck it up like during an intense moment. So, you know, I think there are ways to watch scenes respectfully and just sort of get that enjoyment. I tend, when I watch scenes, I tend to particularly pay attention to types of scenes that I would like to do. I, I like to watch other people do I Wand because I always want to see sort of what they're doing and try to learn from them. See if I can apply any of their techniques to my techniques. Knives, much the same thing. But I also just like seeing people like be really creative and do some really sort of off the wall stuff. I remember I was at one I was at one uh, sort of large outdoor kink event and I was planning on going to like a class. uh, But then I saw that somebody was being delivered in a human sized Barbie doll box. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I got to watch to see what happens next. So I just stayed and watched the scene. <laughs> so yeah, it's always fun to see like different things and how creative people can be. And yeah, I think I get a I get a lot of that out of of watching kink scenes. Now that I think about it, I don't think I actually wa I like. I think when it comes to like, kink events, I don't think I actually like either being watched doing sex or watching people doing sex.
0: I was just about to ask that because you said that you didn't like being watched doing sex. So I was going to ask you if you enjoy watching people do the sex. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, no thanks. Like, I, I don't want to yuck the yum-, yum though. Like, it's not like I'm like, ooh, gross, don't do that. But like, I know it's going to happen and I'm just like, okay, I need to go stand somewhere else because this is not my thing. I really have no interest in watching people have sex. So, yeah. But I think even, so like what I was saying before is like, even though I know I'm being respectful because I'm not the type of person to like, you know, even get very close to someone else's scene, but I still have that little thing in the back of my brain that's like, isn't this rude watching them? It's like, you know.
1: I mean, I think that's, that's a little bit of the fun of exhibitionism, right? Of of voyeurism, right? Like.
0: Oh yeah. Like this is a little naughty.
1: Like I'm watching something that I shouldn't be able to watch.
0: Yes. Oh, oh, I like that. Like that's a little bit of the enjoyment, right? That's true. That's true. So something else that I want to transition to now is just talking about exhibitionism and voyeurism as like not a totally public thing, but like public doesn't have to be. And I talk about this in my public humiliation class. Public doesn't mean that it has to be in front of a crowd. Public can be, well, you had mentioned this with the imagination and the theater of the mind, the audience that you are doing the thing in front of could be just your partner. It could be you. So public doesn't have to be in public public. And if you are very shy about doing certain things or like wearing a certain thing, even just doing that or wearing that in front of your partner could be a little bit of exhibitionism. Maybe, Or maybe you really like wearing that thing and you're like, I want to go and show off in front of my partner. That can be very much exhibitionism. So,
1: so I think I have a question for you. Yeah. I'd like to see where you fall on that.
0: So I have seen
1: on the interwebs a series of tubes that I'm sure you've been to mm-hmm. I have seen pictures of people doing rope in public uh, basically on sort of rooftops. How do you feel about that Like, I think I most commonly see them happen at night so somebody uses like a flash to mm-hmm. like illuminate the scene to take a picture mm-hmm. How do you feel about sort of that kind of public kink?
0: If it's at night and it's on a rooftop or if it's in a fairly secluded place where there's nobody around, I personally think it's okay. I would also not dilly-dally there. You know, like, I wouldn't make it a big three-hour scene where you're making a bunch of ruckus and you're waking up the neighbors and all that. I mean, I would say keep it simple. Keep it sweet. Keep it low-key so that way you're not disturbing anybody. Cause photo, but bo- not photo bombing rope, rope, bombing, rope bombing is a thing, where people will go to these places, um, uh, at night and tie someone up and take a picture and then leave. Okay. So rope bombing is totally a thing. So I would say you know I think that that it can be done in a fine way, and then also be respectful. That's where I kind of fall on that. Okay. Back to exhibitionism and voyeurism with your partner. Yeah. So, do you like to show off anything, G, to your partners?
1: Hmm. <laughs> so like, I just I'm trying to figure out a way to answer your question of like, and the only thing I can think of is that is that meme of like that uh, claymation pirate that's like yes, but also no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I G for the most part. Don't like to show off things. I
0: L Oh L.
1: When I have nice smooth legs, I do like to show off my legs.
0: And you do not like to get smooth legs while watching Food Wars.
1: I I do not like to watch getting sm- I do not like getting smooth legs while watching food wars. The anime which is on Netflix in case anybody is confused.
0: The anime which is also maybe a hentai at the same time. Uh, I mean... It's not that far. Anyways, it takes food porn to a different level.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess some would argue it takes food porn to its logical conclusion, but...
0: That's true. But so, you like to show off your smooth legs. Yes. And I enjoy touching your smooth legs. Yes. I like to show off my not-so-muscly muscles.
1: Uh, You do have some muscles, especially after beating Draco in Ring Fit.
0: Yeah, I'm a beefcake. Yeah, what, what do I like to show off? Oh, well, speaking of exhibitionism and voyeurism, sending sexy pics. Okay. That is definitely a form of exhibitionism, right? And viewing sexy pics is a form of voyeurism. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to do that. I like taking pictures of the rope that I've done, whether on myself or other people, and sharing them with, kinky friends who've consented to that so that's something i definitely enjoy
1: yeah sexting
0: that's what's called is sexting exhibitionism sending sexy photos yes what about just sexting like just words
1: words go i mean i feel like sending photos is a
0: part of sexting oh okay i, can, I in my mind i've classified them as two separate things
1: Okay, maybe I'm wrong.
0: No, I think you're right. Most people will probably say, yes, you're right. Okay. I don't know, though. I I actually enjoy sexting. I, I'm a little surprised, but continue. Let me clarify. Okay. I enjoy role-playing kinky stuff with people. Okay. And I do enjoy showing off my body in various ways via photos. So I do enjoy sexting. But I don't want to, like, sext, like... Oh god, I wanna be fucked right now. Like whatever people what do people send? Like, I don't know.
1: So you're asking the wrong person. Okay. Because I I don't think I ever really developed the sexting skills. Yeah. And <laughs> at a certain point we may need to update the the K and P podcast description of like one asexual and one demisexual. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know, maybe yeah, I've never really developed the sexting skills, and I'm—I think I've already told you, like, I'm pretty terrible with online dating. Like, I need to connect with a person,
0: right, face to face. I'm bad with the online dating too. Yeah. Um. Although I have just, you know, I'm trying to use the OKC, and and it's pretty interesting. I'm making cool friends. Now that I'm thinking about it, okay, so sexting is—it's gonna for me—it's not the sexting because I'm not like talking about being fucked, but like it's texting, kink texting, kinking.
1: They both sound weird. They
0: both sound weird. No, um... (laughs) I don't... I I don't think
1: you're going to find an easy portmanteau. You're right. Because
0: sex and text, like... That just goes well. Yeah. There's nothing like that with kink.
1: So kinky sexting.
0: Kinky sexting. Yeah, exactly. BDSM-mexing. No. Okay. Very well then. (laughs) Anyways, so we have gone over doing kink in public public yes doing kink in a space that is public but specific to kink folks like a kinky event dungeon etc and we've talked about doing exhibitionism voyeurism stuff in those contexts as well as with your own partner or partners so i think we've covered a lot of bases yeah so
1: if you want to be an exhibitionist to your friend and show them how much you enjoy this podcast by sharing it with them. <laughs> I'm getting really good at these bad sideways. <laughs> you can uh, show off this podcast to them and they can voyeuristically listen to our voices.
0: <laughs> I like that. And remember that uh, any donations are welcome in these crazy times. The link to donate is at the bottom of the show notes. So, with that, this is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love, love what you love, or love
1: who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. you can find us at KMP or you can email us at poly at gmail.com. What? I'm sorry. As the true vessel
0: of Zundar, you uh, keep insisting on this, which is hosh-posh Is that a phrase? Hey, hold
1: on. Let's pause this conversation about Zundar. Hosh-posh?
0: <laughs> is that a phrase? I don't think so. Oh, what's the correct phrase? Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. No, that's different, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't a hodgepodge pish like a... Pish posh? Pish posh. Is that what you're trying to go for? <laughs> I think so. What did I say? Posh. Hodgepodge? Hodgepodge. <laughs> I said hodgepodge. <hosh> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's hodgepodge now.
1: It's hodgepodge now?
0: Yes. I mixed hogwash and pish posh, I think. <laughs>